Amen. Thank you, music team, for leading us in those songs as we celebrate the birth of Christ this evening. It's good to see you this evening. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm the associate pastor here at Noah, and it's great to be gathering with you, your families, and friends as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, it's an exciting time. I Honestly, I think I like Christmas Eve almost more than Christmas Day. That anticipation, that excitement, and that waiting. The reality is, though, is that waiting, waiting can be difficult. I first want to read from Isaiah 9, 6-7. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's a great promise. And it's, it's hard to wait for promises. How long are you willing to wait for a promise to be fulfilled? A week? A month? maybe a year? What about longer than that? What about 700 years? That's a long time to wait. The Bible contains a lot of waiting, awaiting redemption, restoration, promised all the way back with Adam and Eve at the fall into sin and the separation from God in Genesis 3. There was a promise there that God gave, the promised seed that was supposed to come to crush the serpent's head. Imagine waiting thousands of years from that time. Most of us would have probably given up a long time ago. I probably would have given up within a week. There are signs of this promise. There are things that were happening. God was continuing to move his plan along, but waiting is hard. And so as we gather this evening, you might have heard this story of Christ's birth before. Maybe every year at Christmas you come and hear this, but don't tune out so quickly because sometimes things aren't new knowledge. It's not a new story to us, but it's a reminder to our heart of the truth and the joy of the gospel and how our God is faithful in fulfilling his promises. And we can so quickly forget that in the waiting. So let me read from Luke 2 as Luke accounts the birth of Jesus Christ. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there's no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Holy God, may we stand in awe of you, your holiness, your majesty, and your power as we read from your word this evening. God, your word is truth, and may we see it rightly as that. Lord, grant us a hunger for your truth to know you more and more deeply. Lord, guide us in your wisdom and understanding 
that we would know the meaning of this text, the depth of this text, as we wait for you. Lord, increase our love for you and for one another. Lord, help us to apply this passage to our lives today, that we'd be challenged, that we'd be changed by your word through the working of your spirit, that we'd be obedient followers of Christ. And Lord, help me to preach this with boldness and gentleness, that you'll be center, God, that you would be glorified as you continue to save and sanctify your people. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as we read in Luke chapter 2, we first see that a decree was made. This command goes out. And it's not just any decree, but it was one that came from Caesar Augustus, the most famous, most powerful of emperors in the Roman Empire. He was almost seen as a god. And he had control, and we can see that very clearly. He brought about much peace and success for Rome, but it meant further oppression for the Jewish people, for God's people under the rule of the Roman Empire. He had power, he had control, and by one decree, the whole world listened. Now, it's not actually, when it says the whole world, it doesn't actually mean the entire world. Not everybody in the whole world heard that decree. But the world as they know it, under the Roman Empire rule, it really does show the extent of power that Caesar had. Everyone had to listen. Anyone under Caesar's rule had to return to be registered for taxes. That's right. Taxes. Decreed to travel to their hometown to be counted so that they can pay money. So, for example, imagine you were born in Toronto. You'd have to take the time to go to Toronto, not for fun, not to visit family, but to be signed up to pay money. Sounds like a great Christmas, doesn't it? To lay on even more, you're not driving there, you're actually walking there, so that's a long time. And if that doesn't make you giddy enough to go, you're about to have a baby. So you know what would really ring in the Christmas season? A big helping of week-long travel, taxes, pregnancy, not to mention seeing the in-laws. Merry Christmas. That's great. So right off, we're introduced to an incredibly inconvenient situation for our chosen couple and the coming of this promised child, Jesus. This was supposed to be an exciting time, an incredible time, the Messiah to come to save his people, to redeem his people, to restore them. And now Caesar is making this decree and showing his power all the more, showing his wealth all the more. The oppression, the heaviness is just laid on. It's an inconvenient situation. Does it remind you of maybe any Christmases you might have had? Maybe even this year. In fact, that's a little bit of my Christmas this year. That, it's not been that serious, nothing that bad. But there's been sickness, there's been unforeseen circumstances, plans have changed, people aren't able to arrive like they normally would. And a lot of stuff changes. And we often have these expectations. Life is full of inconvenience. At least to us it feels like inconvenience. And that doesn't mean that there aren't true hardships that we face especially around Christmas time when there's all this joy and excitement, family and friends getting together. But our expectations can so quickly influence how we react to the things that happen. Sometimes these inconveniences are 
really dark and despairing situations. But how often do we allow our circumstances to tell us who God is and what His plan is instead of resting in how He has revealed Himself to us, how He has worked through all things faithfully, fulfilling His promises, the promises of who He is and what He will do, given in His very Word to us. Yet we get so worked up and we go crazy because things aren't going how we want them to. We're waiting and we're seeing things not going the way we want. And it's exhausting, it's difficult, it's frustrating. We butt heads with other people, with our family. But do we ever just come to God to trust in Him, in His purpose, in His plan, as we cry out to Him honestly and openly? Not really. We often complain. I complain. But God wants us to come to him, to trust, to know that he is faithful, that he's in control, that his plans aren't thwarted because something inconvenient happens to us. I'm sure Mary and Joseph had questions as they're traveling to Bethlehem of, why this? Why now? Why is it so difficult? When will this be over? God doesn't shoo away our questions, but he points us to himself. And in this Christmas story, it's a reminder to us to be pointed to Jesus. Because he has fulfilled the promises of God. He has shown God's power. He has shown God's plan. He has shown God's love. And he has shown God's faithfulness. So why now of all times is God allowing this census just before Mary and Joseph uh, have baby Jesus? Let's turn quickly to Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2 says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. We read in God's word that while it seems that Caesar's in control, while it seems that Caesar has power and he even has power over Mary and Joseph, makes them go all the way to Bethlehem, it seems that Caesar's calling the shots. God is not phased. And we see that God is actually working and moving all pieces exactly where he wants them to. Right to this little town of Bethlehem where his son is going to be born as Savior of the world, the Messiah, God with us. What we see isn't a power struggle of God against Caesar, but we see Caesar doing exactly what God wills and desires, fulfilling a promise that was made hundreds of years ago. The Son of God would be born in the city of David, which was another promise that God gave. From the line of Judah, which was another promise that God gave. God fulfilled all these promises in the coming of his son, Jesus Christ, as he brought them to Bethlehem through these inconvenient circumstances. God remains in control, bringing about his will and plan. It wasn't an accident or haphazard. He wasn't reacting to something else. His plan wasn't thwarted and he wasn't surprised. He had a purpose in it all, even in the hardship and the suffering, to point us to his greatest gift of grace and love, Jesus Christ. It was all fulfilled in this coming of Jesus. But when we're in these circumstances, no one's probably thinking, oh yeah, God's fulfilling his promises. God's using this census to bring about the fulfillment of all these plans and to bring about this greatest gift that we need. 
right? When we're in the middle of it, it just sucks. When we're in the middle of it, it's hard. When we're in the middle of it, it's, it's a lot of suffering. It's, it's painful. It's difficult. We start to question if it's worth all that trouble or suffering. But the Christmas story reminds us that it is worth it. It shows us that God is with us through it all, that God is faithful through it all, that God has power through it all, and that it will come about as He has promised and as He has planned. And so often in our life we can question God, what are you doing? But Christmas points us to the fact that He knows exactly what He's doing. He has you right where He has you now for His purpose, for His plan, that He would be glorified through you as He points you to the greatest gift, which is Christ Jesus. It's worth that trouble because it means that we've come to know Him. Nothing is greater than personally knowing our Heavenly Father who made us, who loves us, who has saved us through sending His Son Jesus to come to earth as a man, as a babe. And so as we continue to read, we see that as they're in Bethlehem, so they're away from home, which sucks even more, Mary is now ready to give birth. And there was no room for them in the inn. The Savior of the world, not given the room that he clearly deserved as Lord over all creation, as King of kings, as Lord of lords, he actually received very little attention and care. It was even a custom of the the Jewish culture to be hospitable and to care for those who were traveling, to bring them in to make room. And yet Jesus was born in a manger. But even this, although again inconvenient, had great significance, greater significance than anyone could imagine. It showed Jesus' accessibility, that he was gentle and that he was lowly. Have you tried visiting someone who's really famous? It's pretty much impossible, right? You can't get access to them some kind of royalty, some kind of famous person. I remember being a kid going to Disney World and trying to meet Mickey Mouse. You had to wait in line for like two hours, and then you got about five seconds with them, and you got a picture, and then you were sent out. It was devastating to me (laughs) as a kid. It was. I was really excited to meet Mickey, and it, it wasn't as exciting as it turned out to be. Right? How tough would it be for Jesus or for us to come to Jesus if he was in a royal palace surrounded by guards and servants. Instead, Jesus came to be a servant. The circumstance of Jesus' birth coming as a lowly babe born in a manger and not a throne didn't discount the fulfillment of the promise that God gave. He was King of kings and Lord of lords. He was bringing peace and hope and light. He was bringing the kingdom of God to restore and save his people. He was bringing forgiveness of sins, redemption, and fulfilling all these promises that God has given throughout the Old Testament that we read. None of those are pushed away because Jesus was born in a manger. But they're actually all the more enhanced as Jesus being born in such a lowly state points to his accessibility. He calls us to come to him, to come to him in our sinfulness, to come to him in our brokenness, to come to him in our weakness. And he will receive us as we rest with faith in him. He emptied himself, he came to serve, and he points us to those whom he came for, the weak, 
the lowly, the broken, the humble in heart who see their need for him. And it points us to his sacrifice on the cross, his willingness to go and die in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, to pour out grace for us. He died and bore the wrath of God for our sins. He died the death that we were supposed to die. But he rose again. And so his birth points us to the amazing grace that comes through Christ. That all who would believe in him and put their faith in him would be saved. That we would look ahead to eternity with God, full restoration and redemption. That regardless of age, status, tongue, or sinfulness, we could put our faith and hope in him. So this Christmas, we remember a God who faithfully fulfilled his promise and will continue to fulfill them in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus, even when it feels like there isn't. There's always peace in Jesus, even when things seem to be going chaotically. There's someone who we can believe in when it feels like we've lost all faith and belief. There's someone who we can trust in and rest in when we're weak and when we're tired. In a world that just seems to keep getting darker, the light of Jesus has come into the world and he gives us true life and peace and hope as we rest with faith in what he has done on the cross, his death and resurrection, saving us from sin and darkness and bringing us into his marvelous light. This promise, as I said, was first given all the way in Genesis and it took a lot of waiting. This promised seed from Eve is what we celebrate each Christmas, that Christ came and was born, that he crushed the serpent's head on the cross, that death has no power over us as we put our faith in Jesus. It points us to what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. He rose, and in our sinfulness, we can come to him as he calls us to come in faith. Though unfaithful we are, we can rest in him forgiven, with a relationship with God restored. And so I want to read for us Philippians 2, 5 to 11, as we end our our time. Philippians 2, 5 to 11 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so I ask, are you waiting? Waiting for something more to come? Don't keep waiting. Christ has come. He was born. He emptied himself, became a servant, obedient to death on a cross, to save sinners like you and me. God is with us, and he calls us to come in faith. As we look ahead, resting and waiting for eternity, complete restoration, and true life with him. Let us pray.